All right, this is Andy Baker, and this is... Bentley. And this is our new show, Why Are You Making Me Watch This? Uh, a show where I make him watch something. It's going to be film, television, internet stuff, who knows? Uh, and he makes me watch something. And we answer the question, uh, why are you making me watch this? Uh, it's a little bit of uh, film, cinema, uh, TV education, um, where I'm trying to teach him but in the end, he's probably going to be teaching me. So this time around, we watched two movies. What were they? Flash and Network. Which really have... Nothing to do with each other. Nothing. We, we will be more thematic in the future, perhaps. Or not. We, it's just what whatever we want to watch. I know we were talking about watching Fight Club. I don't know what goes good with Fight Club. Maybe Raging Bull, just because there's fighting going on. I don't know. We already watched Rocky, and we're not going to revisit that because you didn't like it. He's so annoying. <laughs> he is so annoying in that movie. But you like Star Wars, and Luke is really annoying at the very beginning. He's whiny. Well... To be fair, I haven't seen Star Wars in a long time. So. That's true. Fair enough. All right, so which one do you want to start with? Flash. Okay, yeah, we did watch it first. So why did you make me watch this? It is genuinely horrible. <laughs> that, and that's why you wanted me to watch it? Or did you have hopes? And no. then Okay, you had no hopes because you None. read reviews and whatnot. But So it's the Snyderverse, right? Not really. No, I mean... Yes he, and no. Yeah, I was participating in that, but now they're doing multiverse kind of stuff, and now they're doing something completely different, right? Yeah. Who's taking over? James Gunn. James Gunn. Do you have hopes there? That depends on if they start making good movies. Okay, well, so just <laughs> tell me, why, what, why didn't you like it? What are the things that jumped out at you about the movie? Not a fan of two... Ezra Miller's. Yeah, that, that's, that's, that was that's two more than needed. That, that was, you know, most of the movie was both of them. I was surprised. Yeah. I was not expecting that. No, thank you. Okay. I Did you think anything about his performance was good? He came into the movie where people were excited about him, or I'm sorry, them as an actor. I never really have been. What's that? I never really have been. Okay. So that uh, does not apply. Okay. <laughs> to you anyway i'm gonna surprise you here i actually thought he did some good acting towards the end of the film when he was having to say goodbye to his mother that the emotional content there not a lot of actors can pull it off certainly in a superhero movie and i at that point had kind of given up on the movie and was suddenly like wait a minute this actually has some emotional resonance why it's not fair. It's so much of the movie has been so bad. You can't give me a nice moment here, but I enjoyed it. Anyway. It's one scene out of like all of them. I agree. I agree. And clearly, if I had to guess, Ezra Miller is better at dramatic stuff. His comedic stuff was a bit over the top when he was playing that other version of himself. So annoying. <laughs> yes. What else? What else you got for me? They need to work on their special effects. It's... Ugh. What was so? What was what was problematic? Looked like a video game cutscene, and a movie is not supposed to do that. It's got to be better than that. 
Is that because movies are supposed to be better or video games have caught up? Movies are supposed to be better. Okay. Video games are intentionally animated. True. And movies are, at least live action ones, are supposed to look real. And that did not look real. I, I wasn't really sold on the whole seats around them, that little, I don't know, arena that they're in and little bubbles of whatever. Like it was very unclear what the heck we were supposed to think about that. Yeah. And it did look cartoonish. But then again, did they do that intentionally because it's based on comic books? And I think it's because they made the VFX workers work too hard and too little amount of time. And that's something that is plaguing film and television right now is that they're all overworked. They're all crunched because everybody has special effects in their shows now in, you know, when you have, you know, this era of television where you have these high budgets. And so they're basically, they have film budgets and you have films with massive budgets that there's this huge crunch and not that we're going to talk about it now, but we'll probably talk about it at some point, the whole writer strike and actor strike. The part of the issue is that when they finally do resolve the strike, everybody is going to be fighting for who gets to use the studios first, the sound stages and who gets to go to the front of the line for the film and the VFX. I think they're going to strike next. They might. Um, I mean, it's... They've already organized a guild at Disney. Which? The... VFX workers. Interesting. Well, that's going to be very telling. Like, we live in a time, and it's going to be defining the next, I don't know, five, ten years of the industry, just because across the country we see unionized efforts, because this is what happens historically when you end up with people who make that much more than the employees... And the corporations make the money and the shareholders make all that money. Eventually, the workers don't put up with it. That's what we're seeing now. Anyway, back to the movie. I'm going to talk about a few things that I really liked with the understanding that I didn't really enjoy the movie. As you know, I fell asleep during it because I'm an old person. But, you know, there's nostalgia pieces which work for me because it's fan service. Like, I enjoyed The Return of Michael Keaton. That was good. That was my only good note. Ah, all right. So what did you like about him? He looked cool. He did and look cool. He was the only solid actor in that movie. Ah, yeah. He, I keep he, saying that movie. <laughs> Flash. I agree. He is actually a really good actor. One movie I'm going to have you watch because I'm going to take you to the musical version, Beetlejuice. Mm. He's such a good actor. He's so talented. Anyway, so that was fan service for me since I, you know, that, that was, it was such a big deal back in the day when Tim Burton did the Batman movies and having him come back in that role, it was fun. I liked it. And the fan service piece got to see Christopher Reeve for a brief moment as Superman. And we got... Uh, oh, I hated that scene though. Yeah, I mean, I, I think, again, it was way too much fan service. And they, um, they brought back, like, dead actors. Like, don't do that. Yeah, well, again, a certain percentage of your audience are people like me who grew up watching the old black and white TV show. And so he's there. And we have Christopher Reeve, obviously, 
tragic circumstances and all, but he would have wanted, I believe, I'm guessing, that he wouldn't have minded this sort of fan service, given that it's the multiverse. And the one that I'm torn on, because it made me laugh, but I also think it's nuts, is the whole Nick Cage thing. Because it was just one of those Hollywood stories where he was supposed to be in a feature as Superman and then it never got made. And so having him there is kind of a wink to that. But what percentage of the audience knows that? Your casual audience member is like, why? Why is Nick Cage there? I don't get it. But I like some of that. But And, and there was some some cool action in there. Mm, the only scene I liked action-wise was the prison escape thing where Michael Keaton did all the work. Yeah. And of course, you know, the end result, I I go back and forth on having Supergirl in there as, you know, being sort of the twist on, okay, this is this version of the universe and the multiverse. I thought she was interesting. I just think she was horribly underused. Like we didn't have a real chance to explore that at all, which is surprising in a very long movie. To be fair, you did fall asleep during that part. That is true. Was there anything interesting that I missed? Not really. Okay. Well, there we go. I'm sure you have seen articles out there about just having multiverse fatigue. Like it's every, been two years of it, and people are already sick of it. That should be a sign. Yeah, well, it, it's multiverse in terms of the MCU. Mm-hmm. That's been going on for longer than two years. Three years. <laughs> and we've got it happening in dc we've got it happening in crossovers and tv shows the multiverse is everywhere they had the whole flashpoint thing on the various tv shows on the cw oh i forgot about that yeah so it's been out there and obviously it's a part of the comic book lore and you know it's fine it's just suddenly the stakes feel less than because there's always another universe you can jump into so overall you didn't like it I didn't like it. Let me ask you this question. How invested are you in wanting to see a DC universe of movies unfold the way the MCU did? Do you care? Do you like those heroes versus the Marvel characters? It really depends on who they use. I know they've already revealed the slate, but other than Superman and Batman, I already forgot it. Well, there's Wonder Woman. They Have they confirmed that yet? Well, they keep going back. I mean, they, they keep saying that they're going to use Gal Gadot. Yeah, as Wonder Woman, but they've never, I don't think they've confirmed a movie yet. You have to imagine they're going to just because. Well, they're not, she's not in the, whatever they're calling phase one. Which is, again, surprising in that A, she's one of their pillars, right? She's been one of their biggest characters for a very long time. And in this world that we're in, to just make all the movies about the male superheroes probably doesn't fly. Mm-hmm. So, and what other major female characters does the DC universe have? Pretty sure they're doing a Supergirl thing, aren't they? Are they not? That would be one, and I would welcome it. But they, they clearly need to, well, and they want to expand the audience, right? That to just make fan service movies for you know, the male comic book movie and show and graphic novel loving people, you know, you're with Barbie making over a billion dollars. Like there is an audience to tap into when you end up hitting and, you know, trying to have your audience be as broad as it can be. All right. So moving on from flash. So 
I made you watch Network. What'd you think? Pretty good. What was good about it? Acting was pretty well done. Especially for a... Especially who? Especially for a much older film. I know there's good acting in like the 50s, 60s, and 70s, but it's not all consistent. Sure. Yeah, no, one of the reasons why I wanted you to watch the film was it has all the pieces. So when we talk about watching a movie, obviously I am biased towards screenplays, you know, being a writer. And even back in the day when I watched this film for the first time, I want to say it was early in my college years, but I was just blown away with the script. And, but the acting is really strong. The directing is really strong. And, you know, they talk about how really, really good stories are timeless. We're almost 50 years later and there is a whole bunch of stuff in the movie that is still resonating now. And like you said, the performances don't feel dated, right? They yeah. feel pretty modern. Which characters did you like? Not as people, but just as the performances, because they're well, all flawed people. Obviously, Howard Beale. Yes. Pretty Played by down. Peter Finch. Right. Sorry, I'm forgetting their names. That's uh, all right. Well, um, Max got, and Diane. I'm just going through the character list right now. Yeah. Uh, so William Holden as Max Schumacher. He was pretty good. Yeah. No, he's... He, he, he was more the main than Beale. Yeah. It was more... I mean, you just look at the... Per- Max. Yeah, you look at the personal content and his affair with Faye Dunaway's character. And actually his whole speech when he was leaving is still so well-written and so well-acted. It's just brilliant. So the, you know, the whole thing isn't just a commentary on news and culture. Patty Tchaikovsky also had a real grasp of human emotion. It very much reminded me of Succession mm. without a lot of swearing. <laughs> you're, you're revealing my bad parenting that I let you watch Succession. So, Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, no, it, it's giving you an inside look at this world and you realize all of these characters are flawed. and A lot are just trying to get as much power as possible. Yeah, and they're all, they're very human. But yeah, you get to see Robert Duvall playing the corporate entity who is all about the merger and all about money and all about ratings. Again, a commentary on news, which has only gotten worse and worse in the years since. I remember seeing it in the 90s and thinking, gosh, this was ahead of its time and you know, it's only gotten more so, right? But, and then as I told you going into this movie, one of my favorite scenes, if not my favorite scene in all of movie history. And not just because of the personal connection. So yeah, Ned Beatty as Arthur Jensen, I had you know, been friends with his son, John, back when we were in middle school. So I was already predisposed to like it. But that scene, tell me about your reaction to that scene. At first, I was just wondering what was going on because he just started yelling in kind of a Howard Beale way to try and get on his level. But then he just calmed down and spoke to him like a human. And yeah. was like, do this or else. Also like the lighting of the scene, where at first they have the window open, showing how high up they are. Then they close it, and it's pretty much them two in a dimly lit room. And you're not even really conscious that they're in such a big area. I don't know, area. 
Yeah, no, the, the whole room kind of goes away. All you get are those, yeah. you know, the, the, the it's, gr- it's a, just those green lanterns and... Oh, they, there's Green Lantern in the DC lineup. I remember that. That's the connection between the yeah, two movies. Yeah, found, found it. Yep, but it is Green Lantern. I, I, I will see any Green Lantern movie and I will like it even when it's horrible, like the one with Ryan Reynolds. Oh, don't tell me you liked that. I, I don't, but I like the character so much because when I was growing up, he was my favorite superhero. But but it's so, it's so bad. It was so bad. But yeah, th- that switch that Ned Beatty has where he is intimidating him and then switches into, am I getting through to you, Mr. Beale? It, it was just such a powerful moment where he's trying to get what he wants. But the content of what he's talking about, how there are no countries, there are just businesses. The business names have changed, but that whole speech could be given today and be just as, I mean, it's just so prescient and just so powerful that this is how the world has seemingly always worked in a capitalist society where people want money and power. But yeah, the emotion of that scene, and then when he walks up and gets close to him, and again, the lighting, I don't know who did the lighting, I should look it up, but you see Howard Beale looking up at Arthur Jensen and and saying, I have seen God. And, you know, it's sort of dark all around him, and it's just so well shot. And so compelling. Love that scene. Love it to death. What else? What else jumped out at you about the movie? What'd you think of the end? I mean, it's predictable, but also not. Based on everything else that was in the movie, there had to be something that connected Beale and that whole terrorist group other than just ratings. Yeah. Yeah, it's very smartly brought back together. You don't know it's coming, but when it does, that's the essence of tragedy you understand it, why. Yeah. It ripples back like, oh, that's why all these pieces came together this way or why they were there. And this is how they finally come together. Of course, for me, it's the scene just before that where the executives are all sitting around saying, okay, we're not allowed to fire Howard Beale. Arthur Jensen will not let us. So what do we do? And then Faye Dunaway's character seemingly sarcastically says all, all we can do is kill him. And then there's a pause, and then they seriously talk about it, and then that, that's what happens. It's very cynical. Everything, including murder, to be about ratings, to get yourself out of a problem. It is an extreme statement. And I remember the first time I saw it, I was like, what just happened? But seeing it when I was older, it was like, okay, that makes complete sense it hammers home the point in a very powerful and dramatic way because i when i first saw it it's like how are they going to get out of this how are they going to end this and then that ending burst onto the screen it's like oh my god i'm not sure how i'm supposed to feel about this but all right so anything else you want to say about these two movies not really okay well we will tackle this again in probably a week's time. And I think it's going to be Fight Club, but we'll figure out what to pair it with and we'll be back. Sounds good. All right. Off we go.